Welcome back, Erin. Hi. Second episode. I'm so excited. Oh, bring it on. Um, I do have some exciting news, though. Really? I was looking at our statistics, and it tells us, like, where people are listening from and stuff. We have, like, one or two people listening from Germany. Nice. So if you're that person, hi. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> um, I'm so excited. Oh wait, and I just discovered this one. Um, so 86% of our listeners are female, and now 14% are male. Hey. It it was like a hundred percent female for a while. Nice. And sweet, fifty seven percent are like twenty three to twenty seven year olds, so that's my age range. Woo! And I guess yours, because you're what twenty? You're twenty two. Yeah. You're gonna turn twenty three. Um. Then we have twenty nine at, or we have twenty nine percent at twenty eight through thirty four, and fourteen percent at forty five through fifty nine years old. Nice. Nice. Okay. That's not the important part, but it's so, like, exciting to hear. To see who's listening. Yeah. So, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. What are we talking about today, Erin? We are talking about Sense and Sensibility. By Jane Austen. And you know what I discovered while I was doing my research? Huh. This is actually Jane Austen's first novel. Really? I didn't know that. I just picked it because it's one of my favorites. And because I didn't want to do Pride and Prejudice first. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be overrated. Well, not overrated, but we just didn't want to be cliche. Yeah, because we covered Romeo and Juliet last round. Anyways. Okay, so first we're going to start with a little bit of history. I'm going to try and keep the show to be a little, like, at an hour, but less than what the other one was. <laughs> Last episode was like what, hour and a half? Yeah, that's a bit too long for me. Yeah. Um but anyway, continue. Anyway, so Jane Austen was born in seventeen seventy five, which is kind of iconic because that's our country's birthday. Hey. The declaration oh it was seventy six, but like but it's close. It's, it's close. close. Yeah. Um, and so she died in eighteen seventeen. Um why that's important is because Jane Austen lived during the romanticism or the romantic literary period. Mm, where romance was all the rage. Well, yes, but it had a, like a different definition to how we think of romance. Um, so romanticism, which literally was like the span of her life. I think it ends in like 1830 something. 1832 maybe oh dang so and it started like at 17 i don't know (laughs) 1700s yeah yeah um but basically the idea of romanticism was uh, a rejected reality almost but not in the same way that we think of rejected reality um it's all about the emotions um a notable something a lot of people lack no, I feel like today people are way more emotional. <laughs> but, um, so some famous 
romanticism period authors are like William Wordsworth, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, Coleridge, Ooh, cholera, Coleridge. I think I it's Coleridge. Someone's have heard it both ways. I, somewhere. Well, I'm going to call it Coleridge. Um, William Blake, all these people. Um, and actually, William Wordsworth says um, he made a poetry book called Lyrical Ballads. Um, and he described poetry as, quote, the spontaneous overflow of powerful feelings, end quote. So it was like a very emotional time. Um, so it was about emotions and they're, they touched base with the supernatural, like paranormal kind of stuff. Nice. And it was really heavy on metaphor. So Fun. like John Keats. Oh boy. Yeah. So this is like John Keats stuff and he does Ode to a Nightingale, but he's really just talking about someone he loves, hmm. which I think is exciting and uh, romantic. But I'm bumped. Um. Anyways, so let's get into the book. So it starts off with um, Henry Dashwood, the dad, and he's with his second wife and their three daughters, Eleanor, Marianne, and Margaret. the first wife. Obviously, she died. But. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because he actually has a son from that marriage. Oh, step-siblings. It, well, half. Half-son. That's what they call it, is half. But, I mean, we would say step. Um, so that's John Dashwood. John Dashwood is the son of the first marriage. Okay. And remind me of the three girls' names again. Eleanor. Eleanor. Marianne. Marianne. And Margaret. Margaret. Gotcha. Those are our main characters, really. All right. Um, so they actually live with a wealthy bachelor uncle in Norland Park in, in uh, Sussex. And the uncle is like on his deathbed and he's like, well, I'm going to leave my property, um, to Henry first and then, um, John which he he had to do anyways, pretty much, because women technically didn't have any rights. Back well, they then. couldn't own property not until eighteen eighty two, and that's way after oh, yeah. she died. So there's no way she would have been able to. Yeah, everything went to the men. Yeah, yep, that's just how it was. It sucks, and thankfully we don't do that anymore. Um, so the uncle dies, and then Henry just lives a year. The dad lives just a year after that, and he's. They couldn't have been that old. No, but people didn't have long expectance, life expectancies. Oh, touche, touche. And I think he kind of died from stress because, um, you know, he was kind of banking on being able to own the property and have it go to his daughters, even though they technically couldn't. Maybe they had like a, you know, they looked the other way if it was an aristocrat or something. Yeah, but... That wasn't the case in this point. No, because John, I think if there's no other male heirs, then... Then thing, it goes to the women. Yeah. Um, that was the only exception? I think so, but I'm not a history major. <laughs> None of us are. <laughs> Neither. Neither of us are. It's correct either way. Yeah. Um, I'm sure someone would point it out, like, to the, either to themselves or... Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so Henry... 
I think he died from stress because he, like I said, he only lived a year later and it's because he's, I think he was trying to save money for his wife and daughters, but on his deathbed, uh, Henry Dashwood is, uh, gets a promise from his son, John, to take care of his half or stepsisters. Um, and John was like, yeah, of course, like, blah, love him. Um, but okay. Messies. Okay, but listen. John. Oh. Do we not like John? I like John. Okay. You can make your own decision. Um, so John was going to make good on his promise. But his wife, Fanny, on the other hand. Oh, no. Yeah. She persuades John to pretty much, like, not keep his promise. Because she's like, oh, well, I mean, if you're taking care of your sisters, then what about your son? He's not going to have a dowry or anything like that. Oh, brother. Are we sure this one was not a gold digger? Most women were back then, if you think about it. Okay, you make a good point. You make a good point. That was like the woman's duty was to marry rich so they could take care of their family. I mean, nowadays women want to marry rich because they don't want to work. I don't feel like being attacked right now. <laughs> hey, I'm calling myself out here too. Good. Um. Uh, anyways, so oh, I can't. Anyway, and the thing is, a bitch. This is a family-friendly show, Miss Ma'am. I apologize. I'm so sorry for that. Anyway, we don't like Fanny. No. And the thing is, is John's already independently wealthy. So, it's purely spite. But, like, not a good spite. Ugh. Um, anyways. So, they actually, um, oh yeah. So, he's independently wealthy because of his mother's inheritance and because of his wife's dowry. Okay. So his mom obviously passed. She yeah. got... He got the money. Mm-hmm. And then usually back then when a woman got married, their father would, like, pay the man. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's and, right. But it was called a dowry. But it, when you say it so plainly, it's like, oh, I purchased you from your father. But <laughs> <laughs> now that would go down nowadays. Oh, it would not. Um, And so, yeah, but... She, so Fanny also tries to make John jealous because Henry loved his daughters. And she finally persuades him not to help his sisters financially. Oh. I know. So John and Fanny Fanny immediately move in as the new owners of Norland. While um, the Dashwood women are treated as like... Kind of like Cinderella? <laughs> no. Nicer. But also passive aggressive. So okay. they were like, they weren't treated like garbage, but they were like, oh, Just so. Lesser than what they were. Yeah. Yeah, lesser. Um, so they're trying to like rearrange and stuff. And Mrs. Dashwood um, tries to find somewhere else to live in the meantime. Um, but Fanny's brother, Edward Ferris. Wow, oh, we like Edward. Oh, yes. He 
he visits Norlin is attracted to Eleanor. Yes. And Eleanor is a very, like, calm, logical, like, conceal, don't feel kind of a woman. Okay. And Marianne is the polar opposite. She's, like, personified romantic, period. Where she's just emotional and she wants to wear her heart on her sleeve and she wants a grand romance and kind of like Anna from Frozen. Kinda, yeah. And then uh, there's really not much about um, Margaret, but if you watch movies, she's very she's seen as like a very adventurous type. Which correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't that kind of like kind of frowned upon back then not necessarily frowned upon because of since it's her age she was like significantly younger than her sisters Mm, okay um and yeah so if she wanted to like have a career then that would have been frowned upon women heaven forbid women work (gasps) no perish the thought perish the thought um anyways so Edward Ferris is attracted to Eleanor, my favorite character. No, no, no. Th- no stop. <laughs> this is romantic period. People weren't even allowed to be in the same room alone. Yeah. So no. One thing I do remember about the romantic period, and I will say this every time, is hat etiquette. Do you remember? Yes, <laughs> I remember. Okay, back to the book. Yeah. Um, Fanny disapproves, obviously, of their budding romance. And um, then she totally, she's, this is a real female dog move. She implies to Mrs. Dashwood that Eleanor must be motivated by his expectations of coming into money, and that's the only reason why she likes him. Oh, brother! I mean, she's not 100% wrong, because like I stated earlier, that was yeah. pretty common. Um, So, Mrs. Dashwood is like, we need to yeet ourselves out of here. Um, And they actually move into Barton Cottage in Devonshire, near her cousin, Sir John Middleton. Um, and it's obviously a huge step down. It's called a cottage. We went from Norland Park to a cottage. Um, but they're totally warmly received by Sir John, and they're welcomed into the society. They meet his wife, Lady Middleton, and his mother-in-law, Mrs. Jennings, who's extra. But, like... We're talking, like... Effie from Hunger Games Extra or, like, Regina from Mean Girls Extra? More Effie. Okay, so more flamboyant. Yeah, but, you know, what was proper? She was still proper, but she was just very out there. Eccentric. And they met their friend, Colonel Brandon. Colonel Brandon. He's important, so... And Colonel Brandon is attracted to Marianne. Ooh. And Mrs. Jennings teases them about it. And Marianne's, like, annoyed. Um, and Colonel Brandon's, like, 35. And she's maybe, like, 18. Uh, maybe. 
then again, this was... Ugh, it was back then. That was the time to do that? Yeah, they totally did that. They married their second cousins in this time. <sighs> but that's not the important part. Um, But she's like... Marianne is all, well, he's 35, so he's incapable of falling in love or inspiring love of an ebony one. No brother. She's, I told you, she's like, meh. She's a grade A witch. No, she's just young. Oh, okay. Uh, So they go out for a walk and they're hanging out with, you know, Mrs. Jennings the Middletons and Colonel Brandon, and she's like, well, I'm gonna go for a walk. And she gets caught in the rain. She slips and sprains her ankle. Mm -hmm. And the dashing. It's very important that you call him dashing. John Willoughby. The dashing John Willoughby. Yes. Sees the accident and helps her, picks her up, and carries her back to her house. Um... And, of course, because he's dashing, Marianne quickly, I very she's, like, head over heels. It's love at first sight for her. Like, on with Hans. Yeah. That's a very good, like, uh, synonym. Um, so she, like, admires how cute he is and how they have similar tastes in poetry, music, art, and their ideas of love. Um, yeah, so, and because of his attentions to Marianne, everyone else, so, like, Eleanor and her, their mom, think that they're secretly engaged because of how flirty they are. Oh. Because every, you had to be, like, super coy, you know, couldn't let anybody know that you were. heaven forbid anyone finds out you're in love. Well, it could be a scandal. You don't know. Oh, they right. could get caught in scandal, and that could ruin a person. True, true, very true. Um, and so, uh, oh yeah, so Eleanor's like, pump the brakes, Marianne. You're like super unguarded. You don't know what his intentions are, and blah. And Marianne is like, whatever. Refuses to check her emotions. Um, Willoughby. They're the dashing. The Willoughby. dashing, excuse me. The dashing Willoughby. The dashing Willoughby and Marianne spend a lot of like intimate activities, still proper, but actually not proper. So he takes her to see the home he's supposed to get um one day. And he takes part of her hair. Like Snipped it? Yeah, like they snipped part of her hair. Why? That was something super intimate. Yeah, if you tried doing that nowadays, you'd be labeled as creepy. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to cut my hair for anybody. Mm-mm. But it was just, it was like a commitment thing, like a promise ring, almost. Okay. Um. So it seems like... And I thought they were doing something really serious, like holding hands. I don't appreciate your sarcasm. This is serious stuff here. (laughs) No. Um, So, like, everyone feels like an engagement or an announcement of one is, like, super close. And Willoughby comes over. The dashing Willoughby comes over. 
and tells the Dashwoods that his aunt, who he's financially dependent on, is sending him to London on business. Oh. So it's not a breakup. It's just a... Uh, hey, I'm leaving. Long, it's a long-distance relationship. But it does put a dent. And Marianne is obviously distraught and yeah. emotional. Um, so later, Edward Ferris comes to Barton Cottage, but he seems like in a darker mood. And Eleanor's like, oh crap, he probably doesn't even like me anymore. But she refuses to show heartache because that's just not who she is as a person. Yeah. You know, like she'll show it later. Um, and after Edward leaves, um, cousins of Mrs. Jennings come to stay at Barton Park. Um, Anne and Lucy Steele. These are also important characters. They're pretty vulgar. Um, Lucy Steele and Anna. 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 Anne with an E. <laughs> um, Lucy tells Eleanor in like secret that um, she and Edward are have been engaged secretly for four years. I smell loads of BS. No, and it like really, really? it's a secret four year engagement. Oh, snap. It started when he was studying with her uncle, and she just, she gives them, like, proof of their intimacy. I think it's, like, a ring with hair in it, or... I honestly can't remember. I'd have to physically reread the book. Um, and Eleanor realizes Lucy's visit and revelations, um are the result of her jealousy. Um, but it helps Eleanor to understand Edward's recent sadness and behavior towards her. So she doesn't blame Edward. She actually feels sorry for him to being in a loveless engagement to Lucy. Oh. Cause it's a sense of honor. Like you've been engaged for that long. You cannot just break it off and have people expect that nothing happened. Yeah. Cause it wasn't acceptable to just say, I'm, I don't love her anymore. I fell out of love. Yeah, well, that wasn't even a thing. Um, so Eleanor, oh, so Mrs. Jennings, um, invite Eleanor and Marianne to London. And remember who's in London? The dashing Willoughby. Willoughby. So right when they get there, Marianne, like, writes letters to Willoughby, which go unanswered. She writes, like, all these letters. Oh, um, I wrote you every day. Literally. And they don't meet again until it's like at a dance. And Willoughby is with another woman. Oh, no. Yeah. Um. So he greets Marianne reluctantly. And he's kind of like, ooh. Like, oh, what, are you, what are you doing here? Yeah. And she's obviously like can you see you? She's like devastated. Um, so she leaves the party and, um, what it's, oh, I can't. <laughs> um, she's devastated. She leaves. I know. 
Marianne actually receives a letter um, that contains all of her former letters that she wrote Willoughby. Um, The love tokens, including the lock of hair. And it's revealed that Willoughby is engaged to the lady he was with, Miss Gray, who has a large fortune. Oh, snap. And obviously Marianne is devastated. And Eleanor reads the letter. I know. And so Eleanor reads the letter and Marianne admits to Eleanor that she and Willoughby were never engaged. But she behaved but she behaved as if they were because she knew Because she was just that in love. She yeah, she thought she was in love with him and thought he was in love with her. But here's my question. Do you think Willoughby was in love with her? You know what? Basing on their behavior, I'm not sure. Did he seem happy with (laughs) this other lady? It's a book. And plus, people can fake things. I I think he loves money more than he loves Marianne. Mm. So I think he did love Marianne. But then money came into the picture. I was like, ooh. Oh, and I think it's later revealed. I'm actually not going to say anything just in case. Um, oh, oh no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's actually later revealed that Willoughby's aunt said that he would disinherit him if he didn't marry Miss Gray. Oh, snap. So he would have been, like, destitute and in debt. If he had married Eleanor. So I almost feel like that's a big sign of love because he, you know, didn't want to ruin Marianne. Yeah. Because back then, uh, I don't think, like, their definition of disaster is no name, no money, no home, basically. Basically, and scandal. And scandal. Scandal can seriously screw you up for life. Oh, yeah. Especially um, on the periodic uh, TV shows I've watched. Scandal. <laughs> It'll yeah. screw you over. Yes. Um. So, as Marianne, like, grieves, Colonel Brandon visits. Oh, Colonel Brandon. And then tells Eleanor that Willoughby seduced, impregnated, then abandoned Colonel Brandon's young ward, Miss Eliza Williams. What? Yeah. Yeah. Our dashing Willoughby? I'm not shocked. I've read this before. (laughs) Um, Not so dashing. Well, yes, dashing, but dang. Yeah. It gets better. Is he the periodic F boy? uh, There was a lot of them. (laughs) But it gets better. Eliza is the illegitimate daughter of Brandon's first love, also called Eliza. Oh, <laughs> and my god! And she was his father's ward and an heiress. Oh, my gosh. I know. But Eliza was forced into an unhappy marriage to Colonel Brandon's elder brother um, in order to, you know, money. Yeah. And that marriage even ended in scandal and divorce while Brandon was abroad and with the army. Oof. Yeah. Um, and after, so Colonel Brandon's father and brother both died. So he inherited the family estate 
and return to Eliza dying. And I think they call it like a pauper's home. Pauper's home. Just like a, I almost said a whorehouse. Uh, just, you know, like a shelter. Okay. Homeless shelter. Okay. Um, so Brandon took charge of raising her younger daughter. You know, uh, her younger daughter. Her young daughter. And um, Brandon tells Eleanor that Marion. Marion. Whoa, am I having a stroke right now? (laughs) Mary Ann. Mary Ann reminds him of his first love, Eliza, for, like, just to how sincere she is and her sweet impulsiveness. I mean, I don't find impulsiveness sweet, but, like, go you. You do you, Colonel Brandon. Um, so Brandon told Eleanor this whole story in order to give Marianne some consolation and some comfort knowing Willoughby's true character. So uh, let's go back to that question. Do you think Willoughby really loved Marianne? I think so, yeah. And then just- You still think so? And then circumstances happened. I don't know. I I think I'm going to disagree with you. Only because he impregnated someone and then abandoned them. Did he know that she was pregnant? Oh, I'm sure he did. Why else would he abandon them? Especially if they're not engaged. Exactly. Okay. No, you might actually I might have to change my answer. I definitely don't think he liked to play around. That's he was sure. definitely an F boy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. He also, gets... I got it wrong before. His So I said earlier that um his aunt was gonna disown him if he didn't marry Miss Gray. I forgot that his aunt had already disowned him. Oh, I think it was after she found out. And that's why he was marrying Rich. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me. I'm like ninety nine percent sure. Um, I th- yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. So she had already disinherited him. Um. So that's why he had to marry Rich, but. Conclusion. How the tables have tables. Oh my gosh. Um, but conclusion, Willoughby is a punk. Yeah. And I know I like the him. Dashing Willoughby. You better be dashing away. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so the Steel Sisters, you remember Lucy and Anne. Yeah, we all like them. <sighs> they're just mean. Well, they're just not my cup of tea. Um, so they come to London with to be with Mrs. Jennings, um, and they're asked to stay with John and Fanny Dashwood uh-huh. in their London house, even though they've only had a brief acquaintance. Um, Lucy sees the invitation as like a personal compliment um, rather than what it is. Um, a slight to Aaron to oh I'm gonna have like a stroke or something. Um, they did it to like slight Eleanor and Marianne who 
being friendly should have received the invitation first. But because Franny is a witch. Yeah, she's just not nice. Not nice. Um, but too talkative. And, oh, and remember, Fanny is Edward Ferris's sister. And Lucy has a secret four-year engagement to Edward. Talkative Anne. Mentions the engagement. Yep. To Fanny. And obviously as the result, the sisters are turned out of the house. And Edward is ordered by his, like, wealthy mom to break off the engagement. Yes! Or be disinherited. Yes! Um, Edward is still, like, sensitive of the dishonor of a broken engagement and how it would reflect poorly on Lucy. Um, so he refuses. What? Yeah. But think about it. He's doing it for honor. You know? Uh, screw honor. <laughs> Why have honor when you can have love? You think he she would have approved Eleanor? That would have been funny. <laughs> she wouldn't. Um, but just the irony. I know. So he's obviously immediately disinherited. And his brother Robert, um, you know, gets the inheritance. Um, Do we like Robert? He's not really important. Okay. Um, not important to the story. Yeah. Uh, Colonel Brandon actually shows his admiration for Edward by offering him a living as a clergyman. So he'd get, like, his own personages. It's like Delaford. That's where Colonel Brandon lives. Okay. Um, and it would be able... He'd be able to marry Lucy and, you know, have a living. He wouldn't just be... Bleh. Um, so just real quick, we want Eleanor and Edward. Edward to get together. Yes. And we want Marianne and Brandon to get together. Yes. Do we, I forget, do we want Margaret with anybody? She's too young to okay. be with anybody. Okay, so she's, she's off doing her own thing. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay, got this story set straight. Continue. Anyway, so Mrs. Jennings takes Eleanor and Marianne out of London into the country so they can visit um, Mrs. Jennings' second daughter, Mrs. Charlotte Palmer, at her husband's estate, Cleveland, not Ohio. Cleveland. Yeah. So Marianne is still depressed over Willoughby's marriage, and guess what she does? Oh, no. She goes walking in the rain. Because that worked out so well for her last time. Oh, yeah. It works even better this time. She becomes super, super sick. Oh, that's right. Because doctors weren't that good back then. It didn't matter. They had, like, low, um, what do you call it? Meta. I don't know. What's it called when you have, not self-esteem. Fudge you. (laughs) didn't have a very good uh, healthcare system. No, it has nothing to do with healthcare systems. Uh, well, it has to do with their bodies. They didn't contain heat very well. <laughs> no! Okay, they got sick super easy. They were yes. incredibly fragile. Yes. Um, and she actually gets diagnosed with putrid fever, 
which, which according to the Wikipedia, is um, a form of typhus. Um, it causes, it's super, like... Is it kind of like pneumonia? No, it's like typhus. <laughs> but it's super um, contagious. Ooh. Um, and... Yeah, I don't think they did that stuff yet. Um, so Mrs. Charlotte Palmer and Mrs. Jennings leave the house for safety. Um, Eleanor writes to their mom and tells her of the, you know, how serious it is. And Colonel Brandon elects to go bring Marianne's mom so she can be with her. Um, so, oh, and then... I don't know if you're ready for this. Bring it on. In the night, Willoughby comes over. No! And reveals his love for Marianne. No! Get out of here, Willoughby! And says that it was genuine. I call BS! And that losing her made him so miserable. Oh, what a tool! And he tries to get Eleanor to feel bad for him. No! But she's, like, so fed up. She's callous. And she's, like, super, like, um, just disgusted by him. Yeah, good on you, Marianne. Tell him off. And, and especially in the way that he's talking about Miss Williams, you know, the girl he impregnated, and his own wife. He was talking smack? Yeah! No! He awful. He, um, he tells Eleanor that his aunt would have forgiven him if he had married Eliza, but he refused. Ugh, tool. I know. Uh, so Marianne eventually recovers from her illness, and Eleanor tells her of Willoughby's visit. Marianne realizes she can never have been happy with Willoughby's like erratic, immoral. You know, yeah, just crappy ways. Ways, yeah. She and then she's like, "Oh, I want to be more like you, Eleanor," because Eleanor's more moderate, and you know, she conducts herself very well with Edward. And um, Edward later arrives. Edward. 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 And reveals that after his disinheritance, Lucy dumped him. In favor of his now wealthy brother, Robert. Oh, brother. She was a gold digger. With a capital G. I know. But hey, that leaves Edward breathtaking. Yes, so Eleanor is obviously overjoyed. Edward and Eleanor got married, and then later, Marianne marries Colonel Brandon, having gradually come to love him. Yeah, because they become neighbors. Because, you know, Edward lives as a clerk. Yeah. No. Clergy? Clergy? Clergyman. That's what I was saying. But, yeah, so this, um, I think Marianne is definitely the embodiment of romanticism. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of it, though? I'm glad you, like, don't 
dumbed it down for me because, like, because you said that uh, Jane Austen uh, spoke in, well, written in a lot of, like, metaphoric. No, 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 no. That's just the, that was popular with the literary period. Mostly poets wrote metaphorical. But you could find, like, if you really digged, you could, if you really dug, you could find some metaphors like the one with Marianne being the embodiment of the romantic yeah. ideology. Like, with me personally, when people like try to encourage me to uh, read like iconic uh, old uh, classics. books, classics, I get bored. <laughs> that makes me so sad. That's why I have you to tell the story. I know. You make it interesting for oh, me. Oh, good. Thank and you. Let's be honest, I do get confused on who's who sometimes. Uh-huh. So, it's nice that I have it straight on who we like and don't like. Because I mm-hmm. feel like if I read the book not knowing what I was getting into, I would have been so confused. So, I actually understand that. So, something I do, and it's probably, like, it's going to be shunned. I'm going to be shunned by, like, fellow literary people. Oh, if I'm going to read a classic that I've had, like, no prior knowledge to, and there's a movie adaptation, I watch that first. Really? Just so I can get a sense of, like, what's going on. Because I'm not the smartest color in the Crayola box. Same! I'm not high-fiving you for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, it's, so, I get overwhelmed. I can read it and I can understand it, but it's hard for me to picture it like I can with any other novel. Yeah. So I like to... Like, admittedly, uh, after watching most of the Harry Potter movies, I then read the book so I could get like a deeper understanding. Well, you can't really get a deeper understanding from Harry Potter because they left well, you know, out a bunch of crap. Exactly. Oh, I, I thought you said you got a deeper understanding no, no, from no, the no, movies. No. I, I didn't... I, I know that came out of my mouth, but I meant to say more to the movie. <laughs> you just said the same thing. That's okay. But you know what I mean. I know Gosh, what you. Mean. I know what you mean. Calm down. Take a breath. Uh, wow. There's my breath. Okay. So yeah, honestly, same. Watch the movie first. Read the book. I wouldn't do that with popular ones, but classics, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That was great. Do you think you could read it now? Now that you know the story? Yeah, I think I could. Great, it's on my shelf. You can borrow it. (laughs) Okay, let me just finish the two other books I'm reading. Oh, whatever. Anyways, thank you so much for joining us today. I loved talking Jane Austen. I could talk Jane Austen all day long. I know. Ooh, I do want to point out something that I really appreciated about this book. All right. The men had emotions. Yes. You know, I, I know in today's society, well, today, today, men are more in touch with their emotions. But um, back then, it was like, nay, nay, no emotions. Conceal, don't feel. Must be robot. Literally. And so when you have, like, Edward Ferris coming over, and he's, like, in a darker mood, but he doesn't, like, reveal anything, I that's so important. And then you have, like... Willoughby. Freaking Willoughby. Like, obviously, he made some bad decisions that he has to live with, but he was still, like, vulnerable and open with Eleanor. Yeah. 
Yeah. And all the good stuff. And then you have Colonel Brandon, who was, again, open and vulnerable to Eleanor. Eleanor's just so easy to open up to, I guess. <laughs> you want to open up today? Just go to Eleanor. Just go to Eleanor. Um, anyways, you do you want to know what we're going to talk about? Not next week, but the week after? Oh, what are we talking about next time? Are you ready? Bring it on. <gasps> the Great Gatsby. Okay, okay. So we're finally going over to America. Woo! And we're going to talk about... A concept that I'm so excited for. Okay. Called the unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. I won't go into it now because that's next time's episode. That's next time. But I'm really excited for it. Alright. This sounds exciting. Well, thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. This is always a treat. <laughs> always a treat. <laughs> And thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you. Come back next week on, no, not next week, next episode for (laughs) Literature for Lightweights. Have a great 4th of July weekend.